Welcome back to the podcast. I have a special treat for you today. Daniel Camargo is visiting Danny Camargo. He is a former Olympic weightlifter, a current master's weightlifter, and a 27-year veteran of Olympic weightlifting as a coach. He founded Oli Concepts in 2012 and is an elite senior international weightlifting coach. But beyond that, I knew Danny when we were kids, <laughs> like weightlifting kids, and we just reconnected over the last couple of months, and I've been following him for a while ever since I touched a barbell again, so it was super cool to take a walk down, not necessarily memory lane so much as, um, I don't know, it was an interesting conversation to talk about what we wish we had known and what we know now, and the importance of presence and all of it. So even if you don't know a thing about weightlifting, you will not be lost in this conversation because if there is a metaphor in life, <laughs> there is nothing greater than the clean and jerk to use as an analogy. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode with my former teammate and friend, Danny Camargo. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Daniel Camargo is here, also known as Danny, the people that were in the know. Does, mm -hmm. Do people still call you that? They do. Danny's my name. Okay. I go by Danny. Funny, okay. I go by Daniel in written form or for those whom I don't know. Uh, but, uh, everyone else. Yes. I go by Danny coach now these days. Coach, so. That's right. That's right. Well, and this, you were saying, um, yeah, 1997, <sighs> I think tell me yes or no. Were you yes. not with us in Cape town, South Africa? I was. See, that's what I remember you. Most yeah. And I have a photo to show you because if memory serves me, you and I were the ones that had to lift in a heavier weight class. Is that true? Towards the end of the week. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let me show you this. I'm going to share my screen. I found this picture of you. Oh my God. <laughs> From the trip. And I was like, I think he had to jump away. Cause when I saw that, I was like, man, he lo he's looking in this picture. Like I felt, uh, can you send it to me, please? I will absolutely send this to you, but oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my cause God. I had to gain like, cause I had qualified as a 76. Got it. And then Cohen was like, we want you to list lift 83 plus. <laughs> Wow. Oh, yeah. Where were you two months ago when I was really needing that? But yeah, sure. yes, I was in South Africa and um, junior squad, like in Colorado that year. I think you were out there, but yeah, I was a resident resident at the time that I believe was the last time we saw each other or communicated. Okay. 1997. So it's been a, it's been a blank. Yeah. So I said 24 years. Yeah. Wow. Well, and what's funny is, so I, after 97, I bombed out to make the team the next year. And I just put my stuff in the locker and like walked out. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. That's and it. I went off to college and was like, oh, well to weightlifting. And then we were watching something on ESPN like mm -hmm. eight years ago. And it was these people doing pull-ups and then they were snatching. <laughs> then they're and doing burpees. Like, then they're doing what burpees. is this? I was yeah. like, Jason, because, you know, my husband was as Jason. Everyone in the world knows him as James, but Jason Atwood. I was like, come in here and look at this. These people are lifting. Yeah. And so, you know, with the resurgence of CrossFit, I mean, you and I back in the day, right? We were sometimes lifting in like a Ramada Inn and people yep. checking in at the hotel were like, what is this? <laughs> right, right. People would, you would introduce weightlifting to them and they would think it was odd and no one saw the point in it, no you know, and now it's it's a full living for me now, Meredith. So, Amazing. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that I was a police officer. No, years, see this years. this is okay, what I, we so, got to catch up on. Okay, so yeah, I want to start uh, from the beginning. How you got into weightlifting? Let's like breeze okay. through your career and then like yeah, okay. So how did you get into the sport of Olympic weightlifting back when no one knew what it was? 
When no one in the dark ages. Yeah. I entered the sport of weightlifting in what I call the dark ages of Olympic weightlifting, at least here in the United States. Right. Um, Right. Just not very popular. Uh, And uh, I was a 12 year old middle school football player and multi-sports. I played a few other things. And my older brother was a varsity linebacker. And he starts to tell me more and more and urged me to get into the weight room uh, to do weight space lifting, not weightlifting the sport of, right? Um, just weight training. And, uh, and he bugged me. And so, you know, I was a decent football player, but just small overall, you know? So I was getting trampled a lot. So by the time I got 13 years old, he was pretty much demanding I get into the weight room and I'm like, fine. So one day out of middle school, I get out of class and, and I walk over to the high school, which, would have be, which became my high school too. I just wasn't there yet. And uh, I walk into a bunch of just sweaty, stinky locker room dudes, weight training, and I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And my brother just starts to kind of put me through bench and curls and random, random exercises, you know? At that very time, it was after school weight training was being supervised by several different coaches, one of, one of who was a 30-year veteran of Olympic weightlifting. So at that first day that I was there, uh, he pulls me aside and he, he says, who are you? What are you doing here? You're too young to be here and kind of bust my chops. My brother sticks up for me and says, hey, coach, no, this is my little brother. I'm just trying to get him strong for football, right? It's not a peer coaching back then, right? Even though there are coaches present. And this one coach just sizes me up and he starts to just ask me, you know, what sports do I play? How old I am? And based on those things, you know, start them young in weightlifting, right? Um, ends up telling me, not asking me, to grab a barbell and he shows me the snatch first. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> and funny. Kept because, going. <laughs> and I kept going. And I've been here ever since. Amazing. Yeah, literally. That's how I started. I, this coach, he went from busting my chops to uh, kind of recruiting me based on just my size, uh, watching me move around the gym and my, and my youth. And so... Uh, but he's, he puts a barb on my hand. He goes, Hey, do you want to get strong for football or not? I said, yes. And this is what he does. And I, I have to admit that very first day, and I'll never forget it. You know, um, the movement appealed to me and, uh, uh, I, I pretty much went home, bragged about it and went back the next day, <laughs> like, like a, like a lost animal, you know, like a lost <laughs> dog. I came back and I'm like, I'm hungry for more. Yeah. And, uh, it has defined my entire life. So that's how I got it. Amazing. It's amazing. So let's give the audience the high level accolades because you do have some, I know you don't like to brag, but we're going to brag for a moment. Danny Camargo is a hell of a lifter. So what are (laughs) your highlights and are you still a hell of a lifter? Like, are you still lifting? I try to show off for the young ones. Yeah. Once in a while. Good Good to know. Try to remind them that I might be old, but I'm not dead. That's right. Uh, That's so, right. yes, I, I do train actively now. Uh, I, there is a division in weightlifting called the master's division. Uh, they are traditionally outside of the elite level, 35 years old and above. I am 43 now, and there's competitive opportunities even at, at our ages. And so once in a while I do dabble, but I don't take yeah. it that serious. The years of taking it serious are long gone, and I – I could never replicate that again, uh, you know, physically, mentally, I don't have the time. So, right. Um, but as an athlete myself, after that intro, I just mentioned, I, my, my coaches were amazing for me and I, I credit a lot to them. Um, they, uh, they pushed me and got me to, uh, the highest level in, in weightlifting other than the Olympics. I did not make the Olympic team, but I was a part of the U S team and traveled to Pan American championships, world championships. Um, broke a couple of American records. Um, my highlight was more of a junior, which is the age of 20 and under. Um, entered my senior division, which is 21 and above, but I didn't make it too long. I actually, you know, funny enough, I was super proud of representing the United States multiple times and, and then winning medals and breaking records. Super proud of my career. Um, but uh, my retirement seemed abrupt to a lot of people. I mean, you just, you just said a minute ago in your own description, like you hung it up, bye, drop, drop the mic, gone. Uh, I retired biologically young 
I was 21, almost 22. But sport age, I had been in it for nine years, right. specializing in just the snatch and the clean and jerk. And I was burned out. That yeah. was it. I was, I was burned out. And uh, I woke up one morning, having been a resident of the Olympic Training Center. I know you remember what that program was like. Uh, and after four years of that high level, just rigorous, you know, day in, day out, no breaks, uh, emotionally, Meredith, I was just torn up. Uh, yeah. I didn't know. I guess I knew it at the time, but I didn't. It took years of reflecting to figure out that it was simply I just needed a vacation. You know, but <laughs> back, back then. Um, there was no you, such thing as vacation. No such thing. No such no, thing. No, rest days were almost frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A rest day means you're falling behind. I don't know. Mentality's right. mentality's definitely different. You know, the experience of burning out and being unhappy. It was it was a definitely a miserable breakup between me and weightlifting. Uh it really helped me in my coaching career. Um, I see the signs of mm. of aging very early on. I'm very sensitive to uh fatigue and burnout uh because of my own experience. So I, uh, it's actually helped me have athletes survive longer in the sport than I did. And I get that. I, I don't know that I really burned out of weightlifting. I bratted out. I was like, forget mm. this. You were frustrated. I'm mad. I was frustrated and I had, I was at a crossroads. It was like, okay, stay. I was training in Savannah at the time, like stay in Savannah, put college on hold, make these big. And I was like, you know, 18 and I didn't know how to make life decisions. So I just was, it was so black and white to me because it wasn't as, you didn't have as many opportunities back then either. It's not like you could just pop into a Globo gym and have a platform. It was very Correct. small and it was hard to figure out. And so I just was like, I'm done. But then I went and I did nothing but drink beer and gain a hundred pounds mm -hmm. <laughs> after that. And then I entered the sport of triathlon and I did that like nonstop for eight years. Wow. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Like totally. And then I just quit that. <laughs> I, I see a pattern. It's um, a pattern. Yeah. But I just, I burned out and, and I built my social media and my presence around the sport of triathlon. And so when I just kind of was like, eh, I don't do that anymore. It was hard for people to understand, but at the same time, having done weightlifting at that level and then quitting <laughs> and realizing like I've done triathlon for a really long time. That's a lot of swim strokes. That's a lot of running. I'm done yeah. for now. Um, you know, I, I can feel that coming too. So after you burned out, did you go immediately into coaching? Did you take that vacation? Like what was the progression to becoming a coach? No. Thank you for that question. I really, thank you for that. One. It was a really good one. It was actually asked me like that. Um, and I'm happy to answer. I did not, I quit. No, wait, wait, let me take that back. I retired. You retired. Right. All right. right. Let me show you. Better languaging <laughs> is important. It is. It is. I, mean, I like uh, that. I'm going to adopt that for all things now. <laughs> do it. Do it. I'm retiring I, from this. Yeah. It could be nothing more than just rationalizing, but uh, I, I, I view it as retirement. Um, I did not go right into what I do now. Uh, I was angry with weightlifting. Um, it had taken at the time, I felt it had taken so much from me. And though it gave me back a lot, um, you know, I was so upset, you know, I, again, a burnout is a burnout. I was in a relationship and it was breakup to make up for the last 12 months before I retired. Uh, and I, I finally quit. And I will tell you, it was a burden lifted off my chest. Mm. It was a weight, a weight lifted off my chest, pun intended. Right. Um, when I, when I quit. Uh, so after retirement, I went home. I came home having been at the Olympic Training Center for so long. Um, home is Orlando, Florida, and moved back in with my parents. And I did some soul searching. I too, Meredith, drank nothing but beer and stayed up yes. late and partied. See, we should have just continued to be friends. <laughs> I, we should have. And I'm surprised we haven't. We always got along. I, when we were younger team, tra training teammates and U.S. teammates, we always got along. I know. Um, just have such lost years, but here we yeah. are again. Here we are. Um, I um, would actually uh, talk poorly about the sport of weightlifting to people. And, and, mm. and if I met anyone who would be into it locally here in Orlando, I, I would tell them, don't do weightlifting. It's a waste of your time. And I was, I was bitter. Yeah. I, was very, uh, I was very resentful for it. And, um, and, then, and then about 12 months of staying up late, waking up early <laughs> and 
and uh, and you know, kind of that let loose. I think that was a cry out that you know, drinking excessive beer and hanging out and going to the dance clubs and working and still going to school and you know, doing that because you're young enough to pull it all off. Um, it was a bit of a cry out, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, certainly I no longer had to, during this soul searching, worry about making the weight class. I didn't have to worry about eating right, waking up and training and focusing. And then the stress and anxiety that is high level com competition. Um, about a year later, I decided to pop in on my first coach, the coach I just described who started me off in the sport. He's a, still at the same high school where I really? learned. Yeah, at this point in the story, yeah, he was still there doing, doing what he had always done. And I decided to surprise him and say, uh, hey coach, I just wanna say hi, you know, I'm in the area. I'm between hangovers right now. <laughs> Good time to talk to you. And, uh, and I walk in and, uh, and then he says, what are you doing here? Now he was a little bitter and upset with me. Cause you just pieced out. You yeah, kind of had a tune left. I yeah. did, I did. I, I, I just, I looking back in some, in some aspects, I really, really wish someone in my area or I would have figured out it was a really simple vacation would have been okay. And I would have lasted longer. Mm. I, I don't know that I would have ever made the Olympic team or not, but I would have lasted longer than I did. Um, and, and, and even he just didn't, you know, realize a very old fashioned you know, right. mentality, right? Poop or get off the pot. That's it. And well, and just different philosophies, right? I mean, my dad was a big track star back in the day and he's in his seventies now. And I was coaching a couple of runners and I said, I've got my runners doing like block starts and I've got them doing like explosive squats and tuck jumps. And he's like, Oh, well just don't put them in the weight room. Runners don't need to lift. Ah, <laughs> and I yeah. was like, Oh, no kidding. Like, wow. You know, that, that whole level of there's just different philosophies and, different. and the philosophy back when you were not retired was train, 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 and train some more. And that's it. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Old school, very old school. And yeah. though, though productive and effective, not in every case. And I don't know. I, 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 I can't say I needed a little bit of uh, love uh because i had a lot of it for my coaches right um and my support my family my parents at first really did not want me to do weightlifting because they were from a generation that weightlifting is dangerous right right uh try being a girl weightlifter yeah oh wow back in the day hey listen <laughs> i'm so glad you said that you know that i coach more women now than men yeah yep. oh and yeah there's there's actually more females in the united states competing in the sport of olympic weightlifting awesome. than there are men by small margin but there's still more crazy awesome. My mom wanted it. a ballerina. So like anytime we do the CrossFit open or if I go lift weights, like I'll take a tutu and wear my <laughs> tutu. It's hard to clean with a tutu on, but I make do. <laughs> yeah, you make do. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Talk about different, <laughs> different generations, right? Eras. Yeah. So I went to say hello to him and he really bust my chops. And, and he says, uh, you know, what the heck are you doing here? And, uh, you know, stereotypical high school coach treating a talented athlete as if the athlete me in this case didn't appreciate you right. know but i did appreciate i was just overtrained, and it wasn't a matter of under recovered because i did my best to do that it was i was overtrained. so you know anyways uh it gives me a hard time and he says uh you know you need to come back you can make a comeback you're young enough you know but my mind and my spirit was not there uh, for it. And so um, to avoid him, and this is how I started to, to tell you this story here, uh, I, as to avoid him after about five minutes of having him just, you know, give me a hard time. Um, I, I cut him off and I go, hey, hey, coach, there's this young kid behind you, which was true. So young boy doing some cleaning jerks behind him. And I go, that this kid's messing up something is taking. Can I go give him a cue? Can I correct him on something? And uh, my coach goes, yeah, fine, go ahead, just talk to him. But come back to me. I'm not done speaking to you. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> I walk away and I go to this young boy in high school and I said, hey, man, my name is, my name is Danny. I'm, I'm a former lifter. I just saw you doing something. Can I help you out? And I, I helped myself. I felt, in, I felt I could because of the environment. I've been there. That was my school. Right. My coach was my, was my coach. And I'd only been gone for about a year. Kid lets me. He says, sure. And I gave him one or two, Meredith, one or two little cues. And it worked. And he lit up yeah. like Christmas tree, this young man, the face he gave me when what I told him to do, which I took for granted because I just thought it was a basic 
fundamental like, don't bend your elbows kind of yeah. basic yeah right right move your feet i don't know take a breath uh, whatever it was uh his reaction inspired me and i go damn it that felt pretty good i'm, I'm thinking this about myself not even him it was about myself <laughs> right and i said uh hey do another one do another one next thing i know i i spent about half an hour just kind of peer coaching this kid a little bit and and I go back to my coach, gives me a harder time, um, and then asks me to reconsider making a comeback in the sport. And, uh, and I humored him. I'm like, yeah, coach, yeah, whatever. I walked away. I thought that was the end of it, but I kept reflecting. I'm like, man, that felt really good helping this young man out. And uh, I, that very night, I get a phone call in my apartment. Uh, phone calls to the house. There was like no beepers, no cell phones back then, right? The kid called right. my apartment. <laughs> and I... And I answered and it was him. And I said, how'd you get my number? Oh, coach gave me your number. I want to know if you can come back and help me. And I said, well, dude, you got coach. You don't need me. And he goes, ah, coach is old. He doesn't, he just yells at us. <laughs> he I go, yeah, he's been yelling at me too. Uh, and I kind of got suckered into it. And I go, I don't have time for this. Weightlifting is dumb. And I was still kind of, you know, bitter, but I did. I ended up coming back in a second, third time. And I am now 21 years of coaching. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's how I, um, I had a similar experience. So Michael Cohen was my coach and I sort of like pieced out just like I put my stuff in the locker. I was like, bye coach, you know, mm -hmm. 19 kind of an ass. Mm -hmm. That's what kind I of sort of big, big ass. Um, mm -hmm. So I went and applied when I started dabbling back in CrossFit and I picked, I picked up a barbell. It was 20 years that I did not touch a barbell. I went in the gym, but I did not touch a barbell in that manner. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I started uh, lifting again. And I said, well, I'm going to go get my coaching certification because very similarly, you end up in a gym environment with a bunch of people who don't know how to lift. They can see like, even though it's tiger balm and, you know, weightlifting belts and my ligaments are held together by tape, like <laughs> muscle memory is still there. And so I thought, well, maybe I should go get a certification just in case I end up coaching yeah, so i walk not. into the level one class and michael cohen's teaching it and i knew this uh, but i didn't tell him uh, and i walked in and he was like what is this <laughs> his wife okay. knew i was coming oh okay good well yeah. well received i assume then yes and we went to lunch and it was just you know i think when you're that age you don't see the impact of people you don't see the impact of no of sport, of all of it, until you get away from it for a minute. Yeah. And for to get away from it for 20 years and to realize like how grateful I was to the connection that pulled me into the weightlifting gym. I was 13 mm -hmm. when I started. And, you know, Cohen was like, she's the strongest thing we've ever seen, which at the time I probably was like many came after me that were much stronger, but um, just, he believed in me. Right. And he pushed me and he didn't take my crap. And, and to just sit down with him 20 years later, and be able to say thank you for that. It was yes. awesome. I was yes. like, thank you for, you know, I'm sorry I was an ass. He's like, ah. <laughs> okay, two, my, my two comments to that. First one is annoying Michael Cohen and I just physically saw him like last week, actually. He lifted, right? Nah, uh, was it he may have, yep. Yeah, he, he may have he, competed, but he was directing the Masters Nationals yeah. in, my home, in my hometown. Yeah, he I, lifted. I, I, Okay, he did lift. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was in and out the whole weekend with my own athletes, so I didn't, I didn't know for sure. Every time I saw him, he was, he was working. Uh, so he, he may have, uh, but knowing him, um, the length of experience and in and out of athletes over the years, I'm sure when you made your, I don't know, apology and said <laughs> thank you and or whatever, he, he, he probably meant it when he was like, hey, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's right. He's been the man's been around the block so many times. Right. You know, on that, um, and my other comment to that, which was such an awesome story, is that, and I don't mean to sound somber, but you had the opportunity. I'm, I'm thank. I, it's wonderful to hear you say this because I feel that. But you have the opportunity to say thank you. I kind of didn't on my case. Mm. My coach has since passed away. Yeah. Um, sh shortly after the story I told you, where he's busting my chops, um, he got sicker and sicker. He, he wasn't older older man, even when he met me, when I met him at age 13, he was already 65 years old and he didn't take care of himself. And he died of natural causes within about a year after the story I just told you. 
And, uh, and I got to tell you, you know, last time calling him on the phone, he was, uh, he was in the hospital and, uh, you know, he's still with this whole Danny, when I get out of the hospital thing, I'm going to meet you at the gym and we're going to get going. You need to make your comeback. Now, now I'm almost two years removed as an athlete, um, dabbling into coaching for that last, that second year. And, uh, and I lied to him, you know what I mean? I, uh, I went with it. I knew he was on his way out. And I said, mm. you know what, coach, you know, you get out of the hospital, you get better. I'll, I'll meet you at the gym. Right. And, uh, it certainly made him feel better. We had several conversations. He passed away. I ended up taking over for his club, the wow. club I'm, I'm still a part of now, just changed names a few times. Uh, and I now coaching realizing I didn't know what the heck I was doing as an athlete <laughs> taught me coaching has taught me so many lessons that I wish I could tell him about right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> then I find myself sounding like him and that sucks too. <laughs> so good for you. I, yeah. you know, I, I relate to your story. I relate to the way you feel. I, I feel that every day and perhaps, perhaps I am thanking him and, and, you know, yes, I think, in a different way. The way you live your life is is thanking him. I mean, yeah. it, there's legacy and, and through what you do, there's legacy. Yeah. You know, had he not impacted you, you would not be here doing what you do. And same with Cohen and same with, you know, many people we come in contact with in our lives. Yeah. And it is that, I think, connection that as we get older, it's like, oh, none of this is a mistake. <laughs> right. Like, this is all just, whoa, really, yeah. really crazy. But Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask you, because I know this is a social media world and watching all my husband does all night is scroll weightlifting videos. Like, I don't know, like, that's just what he does that. And like cooking, like mm -hmm. he'll watch people cook things and lift weights. Yeah, that's we cool. Didn't cool we didn't guy. have that. Right. Mm -hmm. We didn't have, um, really video feedback except for the big camcorder <laughs> yep. that dad had at the competition with a front view <laughs> VHS, you know, the VHS. So how has, since you've been in this through the transition through social media and video feedback, what is good about it? Okay. And what is a nightmare about this world we're in? Lovely. Lovely. I'll tell you in short, what's wonderful about it is uh, whether the person's in front of you or the remote athlete, which is a whole nother, I'm not sure we'll get to that uh, in this discussion. Uh, but that's a whole nother thing I had to teach myself. I mean, no one knew how to. There's no book written on remote coaching. We didn't have it when you and I were kids. Um, and and I actually, to be honest, right, right now, among the best coaches in the country right now, no one's really quite written a book on it. It's We're doing it now. We are really writing the do's and don'ts as we speak. I think the future generation of coaches will have a better resource uh, than we did. We're figuring it out now. Um, I'm figuring it out now. What's great about all the video and all the tech and all the social media um, is the instant um, feedback, is the ability to take your coaching in a visual form um, and critique and analyze. So it's awesome. Right. I, I mean, I love, I use a lot of it in person or remote. The downfall is that you can actually be limited by it. The athlete, not so much the coach, but the athlete becomes obsessed with, mm. with the videos, with themselves. So uh, what's, uh, by, right now, I think I could call it the proverbial uh, paralysis by analysis cliche, right? Um, the, the, the kids have their cell phones at practice and they're filming, recording. I keep calling it filming. No one films. We record these days. <laughs> they press play on the tape and rewind yes. it. <laughs> Yeah, they don't rewind. They don't have, there's not an A side, B side. Uh, I said that to my kids the other day. I was like, rewind it. We were watching something. They're like, I was like, rewind it five minutes. And they're like, what is, what is all this rewinding? <laughs> Nobody rewinds. We click. I was like, okay, go back. Go back five minutes. Like, all oh, right. Yeah, same thing with me and mine. Um, so um, they record themselves every practice, you know, every, every rep, every set. And then, and yeah. then they are picking their, own form and technique and the performances down to such a proximal specific method that they sometimes forget when you're lifting, you got to think globally, right? Your whole body is moving, not just one joint. And I think it causes overthinking in the wrong, in the, in the wrong state of mind. 
Uh, and then, like you just said, what your husband does. So if it's not themselves, they're reviewing, they're watching everyone else online yeah. and wondering, you know, this person has similar body weight, similar body style. Why are they doing this? But I'm not. They might question the coach on this, question themselves on this. And, you know, the, the beauty of social media and the beauty of our information sharing um, is that there are more resources. Uh, but the harm in it is that you can't control the quality of that information. And, mm. and, and so constantly I am battling my athletes versus coach YouTube you know right and you know and it's a problem you know it's a, it's a problem so um like everything in life meredith right like everything whether it's whether it's food whether it's uh whether it's it's vacation whether it's hard work everything in moderation right moderation is key take it so, with a grain of salt and question yep. everything right um, I was listening to an interview that you did with Cheryl and Chad on the USA Weightlifting podcast. Oh. Cheryl lived with me um, a couple of years ago awesome. and we trained together on, I was on my way out as she was on her way up and up, mm -hmm. up, up, up. Um, but I, I loved something you said on the podcast and you were talking about coaching a lifter and that oftentimes, and I thought this was a great analogy for life Okay, <laughs> because a lot of people listening aren't weightlifters on my podcast, but they are right. living. Um, so often we focus on the effect mm -hmm. of like um, the result, right? The result oh, yeah. of the end of the lift or the position versus the cause. Sure. And yes. I think you were talking about um, someone's off the ground position. Like she was doing like a Romanian deadlift into a snatch versus. Yeah whatever. But I thought that was such a great point because when we're in life and we're struggling, we're always focusing on the, the effect like, oh, I'm overweight. Oh, I hate my job. Oh, this relationship sucks. Instead of going, I mean, that's the end. That's the result. Yes. That's not the cause. And so I, I, I loved what you said about that. So if you're cool with circling on that and yeah. kind of the, the progression you made on, on that story. I think that's a great one. Thank you. I have more on that too, because I just had a conversation with an athlete in person an hour ago before meeting you. <laughs> uh, you know, similar. Uh, you know, you know, to this, the story you heard was more technical coaching. Right. You know, the athlete in question um, had come to me. I'm starting working on her, and there's a there was a something wrong in her form, not wrong, inefficient in her form, and they were addressing the result. They're addressing the effect, but not the cause of it. And my approach was a little bit different. And I'll be honest with you, I went into it hoping you never know. You never know. It's all troubleshooting, you know, but it worked. Um, and, and now by fixing the cause, it automatically, without thought, fixed the original problem. And so I was just using something similar with an athlete on the floor uh, about an hour ago. And it was more of her emotional state. And I told her, you know, uh, I, I, you know, she was unhappy with the day's training or happy with herself, unhappy with, you know, her performance and training. And, and I said, well, listen, is weightlifting the problem or is there something outside weightlifting that's the problem? And she's handling a lot of stress outside of the gym. It's work, it's relationships, it's school, it's time management. And, you know, and she, she like, we all have emotions, right? But emotions are, they're flags. Emotions is your brain communicating with you. And so I urged her to stop reacting to the emotion because you're just living the emotion you know, you're not are the you 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 aren't that emotion. How about you just pause for a minute and ask yourself why you're feeling this way about something or the other, and maybe in asking yourself why, well, then you figure out what it is that's really bothering you, and and it won't bother you anymore, whatever that might be. You know, so it's oh, what's that adage? If you don't like something, change it, and if you can't change it, change your attitude about it. Right. And so I was just, you know, in and out of, you know, she's in a slump in training and I'm just watching her react to good days, bad days. And it's just a reaction to the way she feels as opposed to really asking herself, okay, what is, what are my feelings trying to tell me about this topic? And then through that. And so I think it worked. I think it helps, but like everything else, it's a work in progress. Yeah. So hopefully she applies that outside the gym because I'll end by saying in this particular story, I'm telling you weightlifting is not her problem. 
<laughs> right. It, it's other things she's bringing into weightlifting. That's the problem. And weightlifting is rarely the problem, right? I mean, is that probably the summary? Yes. <laughs> After as long as you've been in it. <laughs> yeah. I just told you a story that I was pissed off at weightlifting. It did this me to me. No, I wasn't pissed off. It was, I was pissed off at the fact that I didn't get a vacation, right. you know, and I didn't get uh, proper rest and recovery. I, you said it a moment ago. Uh, you were amazed at how 20 years removed, how you got back into a little bit, or you see it now a little different and the appreciation you have over it. I think our athlete, I believe, and I've been saying I'm very public about this. I think we're training our American athletes too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in the sport of weightlifting, it's, it's this training 12 months out of the year thing. Um, what you just said about yourself and being 20 years removed, you can recreate that same sensation of appreciation and thankfulness and love for anything you do. If you just take a break once in a while, Yeah, you can recreate it within a year. You don't, within a couple months, I mean, I try on my highest elite athletes to view the sport of weightlifting as not year round sport as we believe it is. Right. It, weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting can be seasonal too. Right. You just have to embrace the time you step away from it for three weeks, right? Three weeks, don't touch a barbell, go do something else, play another activity, go on vacation. Don't think about the stress you have to go through because when you come back to me, we got to get on it. <laughs> so. Right. And go watch some masters lifters. <laughs> yeah. Go watch the because- masters lifters. When I was 16 and I saw the masters lift, I was like, what is wrong with them? Why can't they squat? What? Yeah. And now I'm like, oh my God, that's barely parallel. Right. Right. <laughs> what is happening? What, you and, know, and, and I thought, like I said, I was going to lift, I was going to compete again. And I think I will, but I, a couple of years ago, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to compete again. And if I couldn't snatch 70 kilos for all year, I tried. All year, like 70. I, when I came out to junior squad camp, I did 70 kilos for 12 reps with straps on and I couldn't do it for one. Right. And so you, you learn to appreciate too, when you're older, like what you had and like the importance of present moment and how awesome you really were. And so that's what I want to tell all these young lifters is like, take a breath, soak it up, soak it up. Cause Mm -hmm. you're not, I mean, not to say you'll never be there again, but I don't think I'll ever snatch what I used no. to snatch. No, I know I can't. Look, we're all heading in the same direction, aren't we? That's right. We're all heading That's in the right. same direction. <laughs> so, so how? One more question for you. Um, yeah. I feel like we could talk forever. Maybe I'll have you back on because I think we need to talk about like strength and the importance of strength training and all like the basics for at some point. So maybe we'll do a part two. Yeah. But tell me how mindset is everything because I know when you were lifting, it's everything. And, but now, even now your day, when you wake up in the morning, how important is it for you to set your mind? What do you do to set your mind and kind of take people through your day as far as your mental state? Let's do it. Um, I, what a wonderful question because I have to have this conversation with my athletes in acute scenarios of a day of training, you know, but I try to have it sink into them much longer than just that day. You have to apply it year round. It's, it's changing your, your, your viewpoint. You can, you can change your attitude. You can change your, um, you know, mental makeup. I mean, just like you can change your muscles and you can change your tissues. You can become faster, quicker, stronger. Um, it's hard. I know it's not easy. And more and more, I'm seeing young people suffer from anxiety, different forms mm-hmm. of anxiety, you know? Um, uh, and so I think the world we live in is a little bit different. So mindset is everything. It's funny. I joke uh, with my athletes who on a good day, a great day of training, they're happy. Everything is rainbows, right? They'll say, man, good day of training, man, weightlifting is such a mind game. And then I say, (laughs) yes, it is. And then I will tell that same person, then why are you so shocked when you're in a bad mental place that weightlifting is not going well for you? (laughs) Do you think it's only a mind game and things are good? I try to tell them. Um, And so for me, I wake up every morning. And first of all, I would tell you when I wake up every morning, and this is really not 
a dramatic statement. It is true. I count my many blessings. I wake up and I count my blessings every single day because as I told you, I retired from the Olympic Training Center soul searching for about a year. But what I didn't mention was that I became a police officer. That was my profession. And I was a detective for a while too. I 13 years as a law enforcement officer and coaching the entire time. Wow. Um, after burning the uh, candle at both ends, my wife says to me, well, either you quit something or I'm going to quit you. I thought, oh, I guess you should probably pick one right now. <laughs> so after I took a half pension and I just became a full-time coach, full-time gym owner. So I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur, which is not my favorite aspect of what I do at all. Uh, I just want to coach, right? That's all I want to do is coach. That's all I want to yeah. do. But to do so, I got to do this whole like own a gym thing. Right? <laughs> pay your insurance, pay kind your bills. Pay the rent. Yeah. Uh, at least right now, maybe there'll be, maybe there'll be an opportunity in my future where I don't have to worry about entrepreneurship and I can just wake up every morning, coach, go home in the evening and die. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I wake up every morning. I count the blessings I have because um, I am currently making a, living off of a hobby what was a hobby of mine you know and not a lot of people get to say that those people exist in the world right but i i'm one of them and um i have to work with and i have to deal with conflict throughout my days and my weeks uh, i'm in a people oriented field and so um whether it's a colleague another coach uh or an athlete um Maintaining positivity is extremely important. You know what? I won't even go positivity because I'm going to tell you something. It's really hard to just say, I'm going to be positive today. Right. And it's yeah. also toxic to a degree because it kind of pushes down like vital yeah. emotions too. <laughs> right. I don't think Actually, that I'm really works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Embrace it. Embrace yeah. it. Say, I am pissed off today and that's okay. But am I able to still do what I must while feeling this way? Um, but optimism, however... I think it's a little easier than just being positive. Oh, I like that. I've never heard that. Absolutely. There's a difference for me. Yes. There's a huge difference for me. And so when I have athletes go, I know coach, I know you, I hear it all the time. I got to be more positive. I go, no, you don't. You just have to be less negative. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? I go, optimism just means that you're choosing to make the best out of something not positive, which is ignore how you really, you know, feel. And, you know, um, you know, life, life sometimes isn't about facts. It's about perception. Right. And, you know, when I'm working with people, my clients, um, remote or not, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm finding more and more is trying to help them balance this discussion. Um, it's really easy to get negative in our day. Right. Uh, but negative will slow you down. And a lot of times we don't even know we're being negative. We don't even know right. it. It's uh, a habit. It's a habit. Oh, right. it's a habit. And since I'm the common denominator around these place, around this place, <laughs> it actually allows me to see how others are thinking. And I say to myself, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to look the way they look. I don't want to think the way they, they think. Um, optimism does not mean naive. Right. You know, it does not mean unrealistic. And and that's what's really important. Sometimes when you're faced with problems, it's really easy to see these problems and say, man, if I'm just positive, I'm fooling myself. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, but, but can you be optimistic about something, right? That means we have a scenario, you know, good or bad, and I am choosing to focus and hope for the best on it. Uh, you know, by doing so, you have a better sense of clarity, right? right? It's, it's like, it's like the best medicine for anger is delay and patience. Gosh, that's so hard to do. Uh, right. Especially, you know, I have a staff of coaches. I'm super proud of them. But I work with, with, with them on, as well on this, you know, this, this topic. Um, it's not a matter, a matter of what you look at. It matters what you see. And, and that's really how we see ourselves. And so... I mean, we all know what's, what's the old cliche. You can't love someone unless you love yourself first. That's some real stuff, man. You know, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely super right. truth. And that's, that's meant in a romantic nature, but how about in a professional standpoint? Um, you have to take care of yourself. 
You yeah. cannot, you cannot help. I'm in a, I am in a people oriented job and, and profession. And I cannot help people be their best person if I'm not feeling good about myself and I'm unhappy about myself. I know because as a coach, I've gone my own ups and downs as well. And so um, I think optimism is the highest choice you can do. I think mindset is everything. And we all know when we don't have the right mindset. We know it. Yeah. To whether or not you're acting on it or not. So when you recognize it, find coping ways to cope. You know, sometimes for me and I, you know what, I'm trying to get into meditation. Do you meditate? I did it. I took a challenge. I did it for 60 days, twice a day, changed my life, never felt better and can't right? be bothered to do it again. Oh, really? <laughs> like ah, it's still... it, there's something. Um, so instead I do journaling. I do like okay. um, morning pages that works really well for me. Um, I do a gratitude journal and that's kind of where I'm at right now. I notice Good. I go in phases, but it's yeah. one of those things that just like not eating gluten for me is best. Okay. I choose not to do it and eat pizza mm -hmm. sometimes. And I choose not to meditate. I'm just kind of a brat about something. Yeah. It sounds like you are. I'm so you have a common theme with you. I think that's why I yeah. love you though. I think that's why I love it's you. Bratty. I am frozen in time at age five. Uh, <laughs> uh, yet, yet productive and successful so, so that's okay uh but i asked if you meditate because i don't i'm thinking about getting into it but i i like you um might go through my phases because what i'm trying to do is constantly find uh, the best way to cope with certain things because we change we always change all of us right everyone you should you should you right know, uh, right you should change thank you for saying that yes are you kidding me i I would much rather change and maybe be ridiculed or criticized for being contradictory right. than to be the same person my whole life. Do you know what I mean? And, totally. And, and uh, I, I, I actually, uh, have you had this documentary on the Beastie Boys? Have you seen it? No, time? but it's on my list. I've heard it's okay. awesome. Adam Yauch, I think, I think it was the one of the three individuals, if I'm mistaken, the point of whole this documentary is one of them has since passed away, um, but they made that very point. I think one of them was, was interviewed about a more recent song than an old song, and it's contradictory to the way they viewed women in these two songs that were decades apart. And the journalist, and, and I'm paraphrasing this story, says, don't you feel you're a hypocrite for it? Uh, and, uh, and the singer, the rapper, forgot exactly which one of the BC boys says to the journalist, I would much rather be called a hypocrite than to be the same person my whole life. Um, we are constantly growing. Uh, but there is no, there's no end, you know, and that's, yes. that, that is discouraging for the wrong mindset, right? Or it's inspiring to the right. I thank mindset. God you can change. Yes. I mean, thank God, like, um, you don't, you don't know this about me, but like I'm five years sober because, oh, um, I, I needed to be, um, but thank God I was able to, to change, to, to quit that nonsense, to, to do what I need to do. So yeah, I am all about changing. And so for the meditation thing, um, part of what I think meditation is really hard to do. Part of it is like, if you're dealing with something really dark or there's like trauma, yes, meditation can be very hard because mm -hmm. I noticed when I sort of uncovered some trauma in my life, that was when I quit meditating because I would go to close my eyes. I would get quiet and I would be like, okay, there's that. And it kept just freaky. That was when it stabbed me. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, time out. Went to therapy for a while, dealt with that. Mm -hmm. But now like when I meditate, that doesn't come up. So now I'm just, you know, again, being a brat about it. But I yeah. think when you're ready to meditate and yeah. to, to take that journey, you'll do it. Do. I mean, yeah. you're not someone that's like, no, nah, I'm just lazy. <laughs> no, no, not you. no, I'm a bit of a workaholic. Um, uh, and that might be part two for sure. Balancing work and life. Right. You know, I screwed it up a little bit, you know, it didn't cost me any, I want to make sure I'm not, you know, I'm not misrepresenting my, my past, but I, no one taught me to be a businessman. I just had to figure it out because all I wanted to do was coach the snatch and clean and jerk. You know, uh, but you know, I'm married, I have two kids. And at one point I just was really poor about my time management, um, you know, because no one told me to be better at it. And so after, you know, quite a few errors, you know, you change, you figure it out, you know, um, you know, in, in a very, uh, in a very simple way, I realized I was changed, that it was okay to change. When my 
and this is specific to the sport of weightlifting, I used to have one particular opinion about a certain type of error in the snatch or the clean and jerk. And I would say, this is wrong all the way. Years later, I find that maybe it's not wrong if I do this or that. And so now my philosophy on a particular specific uh, technique error completely changed. And wow. I am saying something completely different and I'm producing more athletes within. And I thought to myself, I felt very close-minded before, you know, and so it is okay, right? It's okay to change your mind. Yeah, absolutely. That's just absolutely. It's called it's growth. It's life. Uh, and I, I hope to continue. I hope I am not, I'm 43. I am not the same man at 43 that I was at 33. Certainly wasn't the same guy I was at 30 or 23. And I hope in another 10 years at 53, I am, I am not the same. I am now a better, a better version of me, right? Like make decisions today that your older self will appreciate. Right. Like try stretching. To yes. Jeez. Eating Do great. Stretching. Stop <laughs> eating so many wings during football season, Danny. <laughs> I love, I'm a big football fan though. So that's why my diet tends to go to crap during football season. Yeah. So yeah. So yes, oh back to your mindset comment. Uh, I think mindset will make or break you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell everyone where they can find you and follow you. And if anyone's interested in remote coaching and mm. starting out in the snatch and clean and jerk, if you have no idea what we're talking about, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I actually deal with that more often than ever before. Right. Since more, more people are interested in it. Um, one simple place, uh, www.olyconcepts.com. That's my gym's website. That's my website through there. I'm very accessible to my detriment. <laughs> I'm very accessible. Uh, and anyone can find me through my social media channels there or my email. I'm a big email guy. Love email. Uh, I would say text me messages, but I text messages get lost somehow. And I don't even they realize do. it. They do because you read them and they're gone because you've they're got gone. 20 more. You can't, you can't task from text. So if anyone ever wants anything from me, I tell them to email me and don't oh, Instagram it. message me if you want me to remember it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For sure. I like the way you said that uh, te texts are not for tasking very hard to do so. Yeah. You know, but, and I got a lot of teenagers and young people who are my <laughs> athletes texting me all the time. And I listen, if, uh, you if do it's, what you got to do. Yeah. If it's significant email. That's right. Well, Danny, thank you so much. This was great. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.